back to the House of Quartz Ministry. I am your resident High Priestess, Rosie Quartz. All hail Mothman, blessed be the light he flies towards. So we got a lot to talk about this week. And this channel here, specifically DIY Sugar Baby, is to talk about accountancy things. You know, nobody asks you questions if you say you're an accountant. If you can't tell, I'm more of like the uh, ooh-woo sort of accountant. In case you haven't picked up on what accountant is, it's a spicy content creator, a Shrek's worker, a wham-bam, thank you ma'am, but online. I'm a sex worker. I am also a bi-polyamorous witch who also goes by that rogue pastor's kid on TikTok, which is probably where a lot of you have found me from, especially from the backup account, apparently, where I talk about post-traumatic church syndrome, or essentially religious spiritual trauma. So this content is for those of you who are kind of maybe looking for tips or tricks in regards to content creation, including the spicy stuff. Those of you who want to hear more about my take as a former pastor's kid, on the religious trauma stuff, as well as just for those of you who are curious about what life is actually like for this for a content creator, because there's a lot of stigma surrounding this stuff, which we saw with my one TikTok where I was basically like, hey, actually, I am hypersexual. And I did, in fact, have this thing where as a kid, I was like, you know what? A sex priestess would actually be kind of cool. And all, all of my favorite characters and all my favorite stories... We're also spicy entertainers. They're a ministry. They had their own ministry, if you will. Because that is something that is very important to me, is normalizing what I do. Something you may have seen from my content as well. Um, I am a kinky content creator. And a lot of what I want to talk about is also that being healthy and normal. So I'm going to kind of like break it down week by week kind of like highlights of my life, giving you all a sort of like sneak peek sort of backstage view, because I think humanizing, humanizing people is so important, especially in regards to where I came from up until now. Because when my extended family first found out about my social media, because I kind of came out of the broom closet and the kink closet and all the other closets at the same time. Well, it kind of took them by surprise because I had gotten very good at masking. I was very good at playing the good pastor's daughter. And I know that there's kind of a bias because like who you see today was definitely not who I was even uh, just over a year ago. Um, that's about when I started. But when I first first came out with all of this, my family responded with, you're leading people astray. Hence why I ironically just find it funny to call what I'm doing now ministry or church. Personally, I found that my mental health improved drastically when I moved away from the whole, the idea of spiritual influence over my physical mental health over my life, especially in regards to demonic influence. I don't let that discussion anywhere near my life choices anymore. If it's not coming from a licensed registered mental health professional, if it's not coming from like verifiable scientific resources, it doesn't belong in any kind of discussion regarding my health, which is definitely not what I grew up with, which I am sure you're going to hear lots about if you continue to follow my content. So yes, the whole point of this is to get uh, a little bit more personal with you. I'm not exactly a small content creator and I'm not exactly a, a 
a big content creator either. But I am going to invite you to maybe pull up a, a cup of coffee or tea and we'll sit and chat about all of these various important topics. So first of all, we're actually going to talk about the subject that brought a lot of you here to my page in the first place, which is the videos where I kind of like identify that my parent has still been using me in their sermons, which was a big surprise to me, I'll be honest, because since leaving the church, leaving the the marriage that I was in within the context of the Seventh-day Adventist church, it has become very important to me to talk about consent, especially in regards to uh, myself, my mom who passed away back in 2015. To me, it's more important about conveying the, the need for respect of consent, the need for respect for ethical boundaries and guidelines. What I talk about, it very much has more personally to do with me, how it impacted me. I don't want to speak for anyone else. Regardless of if I agree or disagree with my family, with my like ex-in-laws, my ex, ultimately <laughs> their, their consent, their boundaries are still important to me even if it's not vice versa. So I'm never going to release their social media. I'm not going to be like, hey, here's the link to the content where they're harming me, where they're violating my privacy. It was very important to me to at least go through as much of a professional route about it as possible, which was to report the content. For those of you who don't know about this, um, I've been showing up in my parents' sermons a lot, which is not a, it, it was a surprise to me, but it's also not, because there's always like this sense of needing to mask. If you're a pastor's kid, chances are you got used a lot as a promotional tool, which, which is not okay, but if you're a pastor's kid and you're a kid, pastor's kid, and you're not performing as you're supposed to, well, then you literally could be putting your parents' job at risk. Because the whole thing is that, like, if the pastor is socializing his family properly, then he's a good pastor. And that basically means that the kids will follow suit with the cognitive bias of what healthy, normal Christian behavior looks like. However, if you are neurodivergent, if you're LGBTQ+, if you have any kind of health conditions outside of the range of normal, healthy Christian behavior, you're you're kind of in a lot of trouble. And a lot of pastor's kids have actually been reaching out to me and talking about this as well, because we had to develop, we, ha we had to develop masking skills. It was very difficult to be authentic, very hard to develop actual healthy relationships with our caregivers, because you couldn't trust them not to violate your privacy. The first time I can remember this happening to me was actually, I think around the age of 11, where I'm sitting there alone in the pew, I don't know where my mom and brother were at the time, but this was before my parent became a pastor, and they were up there doing like, kind of like a practice sermon, Maybe I think they were a deacon or elder at the time. Well, they shared how I used to have very intense nightmares as a child. Apparently intense enough that my parents correlated it to demonic influence. They basically were just like, she's being harassed by demons. So in this sermon, my dad tells a story about how he comes into the bedroom, lays his hands on me, does a prayer, and he casts the demons out, and I, like, levitate off the bed. Do I believe this happened? No. He might have, like, jumps. If he actually did attempt this prayer, it's entirely possible he just, like, jump scared me. But it was also entirely inappropriate, because I'm sitting there alone in the pew as everyone is turning around to look at me, and I have to deal with the fact that there is now this, like, underlying sense of judgment regarding me as a person. I'm a child having to live with this fact that apparently there's something about me that is not worthy. 
something about me is just fundamentally wrong and I was being demonically harassed and now I have to overcompensate as a Christian in order to like offset this idea that my father has put out there for the only community I am a part of. And over the years since, I have spoken to them several times and been like, you know what, please don't put me in your sermons. I don't like it. I don't like the people you're preaching to. I don't want them having this personal information about me. And as I've spoken about in my TikToks as well, it becomes very uncomfortable when people develop like these parasocial relationships with you at a level of intimacy you have not consented to with them. But they think that they know you because your personal information is being shared in these sermons. It's very uncomfortable, but if you are are raised in this environment, you were expected to perform. You were expected to not only be okay with it, but to enjoy it. It's part of your ministry, your service, part of your existence as a Christian. Now you see, the ironically hilarious thing to me is that the same day that this uh, sermon was dropped that had my photo in it, keeping in mind in all of these recent sermons, not once have has my parent mentioned to their congregation or been honest with their audience regarding the fact that I am no longer a practicing Adventist, that I do not agree with the Adventist church, but on that same Saturday, which to the Seventh-day Adventist church is the Sabbath, I was doing a very special OnlyFans collaboration with another female dom, and that is Plum Mistress. You can find their content on TikTok and OnlyFans as well. And they, like myself, had also grown up in a very similar environment, and we were laughing our butts off because we were like, oh, happy Sabbath. Happy blessed Sabbath to you. As we're doing things like impact play, she's tying me up. My first shibari session ever, actually. And let me tell you, this woman took me to church. And what was really fun, like, we were sending, like, little snippets of it through Snapchat to my dom. Like, just little bits, like, her tying me up and stuff. Because uh, they're not uh, necessarily one of my play partners. They're It's a professional collaboration. And we were having so much fun together. And it's also just my first time being able to, because I'm bi... So this was one of the first times I've been able to do this kind of collaboration with another woman. There was just no guilt or shame in it for me. I just enjoyed every second of it. And quite frankly, I know that that's going to be the shit that I'm thinking about as I look back on my life in the nursing home someday. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I did that. Because you know what? I've worked senior care. I worked it for about two years. And I worked with a lot of people who did some amazing, incredible things with their life, and I worked with a lot of people who did absolutely nothing. And guess which ones were always the best to work with? The ones who had the best stories, they're the most engaging, and also the most considerate of my time and my energy as I'm working with them. So that's kind of something I've been keeping in mind as I've moved forward as I've left the personal support work and moved into content creation, social media, my kinky platform, my accountancy, is keeping in mind all of this looking back because I think there's this stigma that sex workers are ashamed of what they do. That is, I, that is not the case at all. There are a lot of people who, realistically, it can be hard. And I know that my experience with accountancy is not the same. I do not speak for every other sex worker out there. And personally, I believe that there are a lot of people who end up there that don't want to be there. And I also know that there are a lot of other people there who thoroughly enjoy what they do. It has been a source of authentic expression for me. I'm a very sexual person. And having this platform that I do now 
being able to express it to make this content feels like I can breathe for the first time in my life. It doesn't feel like I'm repressing anything. It doesn't feel like I am just micromanaging every little detail of my behavior in like a very neurotic and paranoid way as I'm constantly evaluating everything I do for demonic influence or whether or not I'm disappointing some sky daddy. No, it, it feels like I'm living a life that I thoroughly enjoy. But what I was raised with, there's very much the expectation of, yeah, you can feel that way, but it's going to cost you eternity. You are expected to sacrifice this sense of wholeness and well-being because let me tell you something, my physical and mental health has never been better than it is right now. I, in my entire life, actually. But I'm expected to give that up and go back to managing chronic depression for the rest of my life in God's name. So yes, that was something big that happened this week was I got to do this collab play, which then moved into, well, publicly speaking about how harmful being put in these sermons was kind of for the first time and being directly, hey, this just happened and wow, it really sucks. I'm not okay with it. This happened without my consent. And I'm not gonna lie. I have a little bit of a mom friend override. I will take a lot of shit and I will pounce if I see somebody I love being taken advantage of. So when I'm talking about all this for the first time, there is a certain amount of me that's like that John Mulaney skit where he's just like, hey, could I have a, a, a different flight? And they're like, no. And he's just like, okay. But I did report the content for directly using my image. Because what is really upsetting to me is this misrepresentation of myself and my platform. Because like I said, there is a very much a distinct lack of honesty about who I am as a person today. Because who I am today is not the person in the picture. And the person I am today does not agree with any of the content that was shared to the audience. But after the 48-hour period that YouTube gives a channel to take uh, content down if somebody does report it for violating their privacy, well, the vids were not taken down. And then I'm, I'm guessing YouTube sent them a notice, at which point the sermon was reposted minus, like, the worship service. Just the sermon itself. Was I edited out? No. When I checked this morning, it appears both were gone, but only after I made a TikTok where I was like, hey, how about I start my own church? All hail Mothman. Some other exciting things that have been happening. Um, I've been doing my first OnlyFans live sessions. It's just kind of like a really hilarious setup. Um, but I got to incorporate kind of like my witchy stuff, my... I kind of turned it into a ritual. You know how like witchy people often talk about like cleansing baths and stuff. So I filled a bathtub with bubbles and roses. I had incense going. I had like rose quartz crystals next to me. And what I did was I put my webcam inside of a broken ring light and stuck it in the tub. You know that like there's a scene from like Bo Burnham's new special where like the ring light just his his whole lighting system just falls on him. And I died laughing because that is very, very much an accurate representation of what it's like to make content. You only get to see as the audience whatever I allow you to see in the visual of this camera. And that is also true. When you think about the emotional performance given by religious, spiritual leaders, especially regarding just the family unit, you see what they want you to see. There's actually a trend going around on TikTok right now where white women have been doing this trend where they're just like crying. There's all this distress, tears pouring everywhere. And then the sound, the music track says, now turn it off. And then the mask lifts and they're just, they're going from like, oh, to just 
And a lot of uh, POC and indigenous creators are accurately pointing out that the scary part of this trend is that white women are able to, to do this fake cry thing. And if they have a little bit of a racist component to it, they can literally ruin the life of somebody who is POC or ind indigenous. And it's been hard for I've noticed it's hard for them to convey this across, but when I saw this trend going around, my blood literally froze. Because I have had to do that numerous times in my life. Not only in an attempt to protect myself during a mugging, but also to protect myself from the people directly in my environment. Like, there's been many times where I've had to fake cry, like hysterical cry. When I don't feel sad or anything like that, I am angry, I am distressed, but not like hysterical distressed. But I've had to go into like fake cry submission for my own safety. But now like being a content creator as well, where you learn to do all these different types of expressions, body movement to convey a message, it's the same performance techniques that you see from behind the pulpit. I have watched numerous pastors that I'm related to in my life that I grew up with do this, where they'll they'll tell a sermon in this church and in this church and in this church, and they'll be like pouring all of this intense emotion into it, all, all of this about like how God loved you so much that he did this for us. And then they get off the stage and they come home and it's the, all, all of this intense emotion, gone. And I think a lot of us who like are not even pastor's kids have experienced something similar, especially if you've ever been part of what's called a cry night. Now a cry night is kind of like something that's usually done within Christian uh, summer camps or evangelistic series where they try to like activate your uh, parasympathetic nervous system with the music, with the content. And they try to create this very intense emotional response in your brain where you're just breaking down, you're very vulnerable, a lot more susceptible to what's being said to you. And you you kind of like misinterpret it as a very intense spiritual experience. You're like, oh, I've never felt more connected to God than I feel right in this moment at camp. And then you leave camp, but then you leave camp and then you find the experience is not replicatable. All of that serotonin and dopamine that you were experiencing in that church service, in that camp, at that altar call, you can't get it back. And you're wondering, has God abandoned me? Why can't I connect with God anymore? And they'll tell you things like, oh, it's a test. It happens sometimes once in a while. But the reality was it was an emotional mental experience that they invoked from your brain in that specific environment, which is why you can't replicate it outside unless you know that it was intentionally produced. But as my platform continues to grow, uh, we've broke 800 followers on Twitter, which is amazing to me. I've never used Twitter before in my life. Uh, we finally broke over 1,600 on Instagram. And a wonderful subscriber has sent a capture card for the Twitch streaming. So we're going to be leveling up the Twitch program. I continuously have to process and come to terms with the fact that this life, everything that I love someone can maliciously report it. Um, if I do these more intense gothy looks and go live on TikTok, it is almost guaranteed someone will report it for sexual content or nudity, even though I'm fully clothed. 
You see, I am very much about consent, which means for my spicy accountancy stuff, it is very important to me to keep those on the appropriate platforms, which is OF, FetLife. Uh, Reddit, which leads me to another interesting experience this week. I know nothing about Reddit, but apparently that's where a lot of other spicy accountants go. Um, I found like an ex-Adventist subreddit there, but I almost immediately lost what little karma points I had. I don't even know what karma is still. Trying to just make a hello post. Not not even advertise my out for anything. It was just like, hi, <laughs> I'm new in town. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Lost it all immediately. Because each subreddit has its own type of verification process, which I'm just, I'm, I'm learning about as I go. But as my platform grows, I have to come to terms with that the fact that somebody could just see my content and decide to maliciously report me and cost me my platform despite the love and care I have for it. There are a lot of creators, a lot of my mutuals have lost hundreds of thousands of followers because somebody decided to weaponize the reporting system. And the processing of that reality, honestly, it feels very similar to the processing I had to do as a child with the whole the world is going to end and you're probably going to die. And if you don't die, um, you're probably going to get tortured. You're going to have to see your family members tortured. The government's going to come for you. The Sunday keepers are going to come and they're going to take away your right to worship on Saturday. You're going to have to flee to the mountains. That was not easy to process as a child. And wow, did it have an enormous, enormous negative impact on my mental health. Because how is it child supposed to process death ideation or death idealization. In my professional opinion today, that is not, that's inherently unhealthy. But I think back to just like, as a child, not being able to watch certain Disney movies because there was an indigenous shaman in there. But for some reason, I was allowed and encouraged to watch things like Doug Batchelor's Final Days series, where we saw people being crushed by giant ice cubes from the sky and people burning in the pits of hell. That's not terrifying or PTSD inducing at all. So at the same time, while I am enjoying building my platforms, engaging with my audience, I still at the same time do have to come to terms with the fact that there are very few protections in place. There's still a lot of stigma surrounding sex work. There's still a lot of stigma surrounding being, um, a spirituality that's not Christian in a very Christian-dominant culture. And a huge topic that has been coming up lately has been, well, people people choose to... It, it's valid to leave the church because people have treated you terribly. Because, I mean, yeah, if someone treats you terribly, you want to put up healthy boundaries. But you kind of get gaslit out of that with this whole, like, it's about Jesus, not the people. And my question becomes to that, well, who and what doctrine is socializing this behavior into the Christians who are apparently not acting Christian-like? Because that is an intense part of it, is the socialization of values, and those value systems become part of the behavior, and the behavior is what's driving people away. So here's the thing, if the behavior is the problem and you trace it back... Where did the behavior stem from? Where did the harmful behavior come from? And that kind of challenges the whole bias of doctrine doesn't fail people, people fail doctrine. Well, if it's the doctrine that's being used to socialize people, maybe it's time we started to critically evaluate the doctrine itself, not just have this whole debate about who treated who terribly how. The motivation behind the behavior is just as important as the behavior itself. I think 
what a lot of people are curious about is more like the mental, emotional, and spiritual side of making spicy content, especially if you were former Christian or even currently Christian, because you often see this correlation between spirituality to your physical and emotional health. So there's kind of like this whole thing where like doing this stuff, um, not being in a monogamous Christian marriage is inherently bad for you, is inherently spiritually wrong. Therefore, your health and like basically essentially your physical and mental health will also be bad because your spirituality is bad. It kind of flies in the face of everything to say, I, I'm a spicy content creator and I love what I do. I love my toys. I love the sensory input of all of this stuff that I wear. I love the creativity that is behind making the content, the editing process, the filming process, the makeup process. I love engaging with my subscribers, hearing back from them, creating custom content. So this past week, we had our second group Discord call to talk about shadow work. Because for those of you who don't know, um, part of what I also started uh, as part of my platform is to talk about um, religious deconstruction, shadow work. Shadow work is essentially a, f a form of mental processing based on Carl Jung's concept of the shadow self. Things about who we are that we've repressed, we've hidden. And a lot of the times it's associated with those parts of ourselves we don't like. But personally, I think it's bigger than that. I think it also includes the things that are wonderful and good but we have to hide it and we have to mask it based on the environment we find ourselves in. So that concept really resonated with me as like a witchy, hypersexual, bisexual person living within a fundamentalist, evangelistic organization. Was that for as long as I can remember, I have been masking or, or had been because there's this cognitive bias that this happens due to being led astray. You were tempted, you fell into sin, but the truth is this was here the whole time. I just learned very quickly that the necessary emotional and economic supports I needed in order to survive even for my cognitive development through things such as positive affirmation wouldn't be there. And it, it became very clear early on that punishments in the form of either an application of a negative stimulus or the removal of positive stimulus, including social support, would be denied or a punishment would be applied. So to me, it's not that I fell into sin or I'm leading people astray. To me, it's I got out. I got out of that environment that was applying punishment and reward systems to my cognitive development and left. I am now able to authentically express myself and be my own person. But when I went back and checked over those sermons for further privacy issues, I found my parent was doing sermons in which they described times when I would run away as a kid. Because I've been trying to get out for a long time, and it's not that I was like a prodigal daughter or anything. No, my first escape attempts failed, because I was five. Because I wanted to be this. I wanted this. And I spent a long time subverting this, making this my shadow self. Because I didn't want to be called evil. I didn't want people to think I was being demonically harassed or influenced. Because that is kind of like the hard part about it for your mental health, is if you find joy in this, if you like being this, if you like things like sex, if you like girls or guys, theys and thems, it is literally a hit to your identity 
to who you are as a person to be told that's wrong and that's sinful and you need to stop and you can only be this way, that you have to purge yourself in Christ, you have to die to self. And that death to self, that consistent dying of self, meant that I literally wanted to die. Like I've, I can remember having suicidal ideation since about the age of 14, 15. It was this constant state of despair because I was trying so hard to be a Christian. I was genuinely trying not to be sexual, not to be witchy, not to be gothy or alternative. I was trying so hard to emulate good Christian behavior. And I was told that you, if you were doing all this, you would be fine. That God's love would carry you through. It didn't. I don't feel that way anymore. I grappled with wanting to yeet myself out of this mortal coil up until I decided to stop masking. And yes, I did try to have a conversation about this with my parents, who then asked me whether or not I was practicing indigenous spirituality, because in their mind, Spirituality equals mental health. So if you're engaging in indigenous spirituality, you've opened the door to the demonic and that's what's dropping your mental health. Where a pastor's family has mental health benefits. At no point do they say, hey, why don't we sign you up to talk to a licensed mental health professional? It was an incorrect correlation to causation. And when I left um, my marriage, my relationship, it's the same thing. The led astray. They're evil. And for a long time, it kept me. It kept me there. It kept me in that bubble. It kept me behaving properly because I didn't want to be called evil. I genuinely wanted what was best for myself, for my family, my partner. But over time, I found that witch, which to me, like in, tr in the traditional sense, is just divine feminine. It's adaptability and resiliency. And truth be told, there is an inherent racism behind this whole, like, idea of indigenous and POC communities being doorways to the devil, like the whole hoodoo, voodoo, things like that, closed practices, brujas, all of them are correlated as being doors to the demonic, and I'm 100% not okay with supporting any kind of message that correlates POC or indigenous cultures as being demonic. Which is another reason I'm very uncomfortable being mentioned in my parents' sermons. I do not support racist theology. But because I identify as a witch, which is part of my mental health process, part of reclaiming my identity as a woman, which has a rich history with herbalism, midwifery, healing, and it really did resonate with me because I was doing healthcare. I was a personal support worker. I was working daily with people and it really helped me just trust my intuition to develop my core healing and caregiver skill sets because good Christian behavior was not helping me build negotiation skills. It wasn't helping me build real caregiver skills. It was more, it was more like it was reinforcing this whole idea of like what I perceived to be best for the client, but it wasn't until I step back into like witchy autonomy that I was able to effectively work with people according to what they needed and not what I thought they needed. But because I identify as a witch and I have this very positive relationship with that aspect, not the Hollywood <laughs> version of witch, the deeply sacred feminine version of it, keeping in mind witch is not inherently feminine. 
deep magic, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't come from a uterus. <laughs> but because that was so important and vital to my healing process, it was also used as a weapon, a social weapon against me, and still is to this day. I've had somebody who I loved and cared about and trusted who promised and to love and support and care for me basically imply that I text him. During a time period when I was starving, I went without food in order to get away from them. I was working my butt off 24-7, and from what I understand of baneful workings, those require a lot of energy. But what I found in, like, the treatment of my family, ex-family, etc., in response to me, who I am authentically, that response has been, I'm evil, leading people astray, and very little very little recognition of their own harmful behavior, of the times in which spirituality was correlated to physical or mental health inappropriately, overstepping ethical guidelines by trying to perform counseling services to family members. Just no recognition that it is okay for me to be myself and that sometimes bad things happen as a direct result of your own behavior that has nothing to do with my spiritual practice. And I'm going to be like, this is kind of like the emotional side of being who I am, doing what I do, uh, the accountancy stuff. There is a side, of course, too, where they wonder, like, what about your family, how you interact with them? And there's kind of like this whole thing where, like, trauma is used to invalidate your life choices as an adult. And probably a, a number of my accountant viewers are, like, hearing this and be like, yeah, I hear you. Well, it really... It really was something that kind of, like, hurt my heart to, to find out that it would even be remotely thought that I would hex someone that I love or care about. And then I realized that it is expected that I will treat somebody the way that they treated me. That's not who I am. And it's like there's this ego defensive reaction of trying to protect oneself from their own guilt in the situation. I'm not even trying to evoke a guilt response as much as I'm trying to say this belief system and this theology hurt me. It harmed me. It harmed me emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. And now I, as an adult, am making conscious informed and educated decisions regarding my life and my health, and my life has been healthier for that. And I think in this process, the grief of it all for me has really been that this person, who I am, I could never have been this person. Not in that environment. Not with my family, not with my ex-family. And I've had to... I've had to go and build my found family. I have people who love and support me in every way. They support my witchy self. They support my sexuality. They support my contents. They support my creative process. And they support my accountancy work. Because the f our focus is on each other, not the end of the world. It's about asking what is effective actually effective for humans and being realistic about the human brain and body and not trying to hold it to standards of a time when we didn't have the science we have now. Truth be told, I think neuroscience gives us a much more comprehensive and effective look at maladaptive human behavior than the concept of sin does. 
especially when you consider what a lot of what is considered sinful or maladaptive behavior is actually just natural human biology that we, for some reason, assigned maladaptive to, which research is actually showing that assignment of maladaptive, of guilt and shame, is a lot more likely to result in actual harmful behavior and loss of quality of life. But yes, a huge, a huge part of my life, my deconstruction of faith process, has literally been processing that treatment. How, how you get viewed as a person by the people who claim to love and support you. Because the truth is, it's they call it unconditional love. But it's not really unconditional. Because if you're not behaving the way that it is said you're supposed to behave, you get punishment systems applied to you. A good example of this is literally in the 2018 copy of the Fundamentals of the Adventist Church. Where homosexuality is mentioned, it is called a disorder, and not just a disorder, a behavioral disorder. Which indicates not only do they not understand anything regarding what an actual mental disorder is, let alone a behavioral disorder, but even worse, this indicates that they believe things like being gay is something that you can train out of someone. That's not what a behavioral disorder is. And, uh, of course, being gay is not in the DSM-5, not as a mental disorder, and certainly not a behavioral disorder. And truth be told, the scariest part of all of it, because I know people say, like, you... I said earlier, trauma is often used to invalidate your life choices. The scariest aspect of Seventh-day Adventism, like Christianity for me, the scariest part about it is how I will be treated, have been and will be treated, according to what someone else thinks is best for me. Because even if I say, this harms me, this hurts me, and I want this to stop. In my experience, the response to that is usually something along the lines of, that's a you problem. You're choosing to feel this way. It's weird that you would feel that way. Not, I'm sorry, I hear you. I'll stop applying my cognitive biases to you. How can we make this right? Or how can we do this better? My play partner said something to me. This is kind of like our closing statements for this, for my own sermon. He said, because I was talking about like just how anxiety ridden making content is just based on like someone being able to maliciously report it. They said, most people believe an ideal world is one in which sex workers don't exist. When in fact, the reality is that the ideal world is one in which we recognize healthy, normal human behavior and support it accordingly. Paraphrasing a little bit, of course. But essentially, the ideal world is one where we actually provide people the supports that they need. Not providing support when we see the behavior out of people that we want. Thank you all so much for attending my little church service today. Unfortunately, the things that are now core aspects of my identity that play a key part in who I am today, that play a key part in, like, my mental and physical health, the, the core decisions I make for myself as an adult, those things play into an inherent cognitive bias that conveniently allows the system I left behind not to take accountability. They won't necessarily feel that they need to reevaluate their theology or their own behavior because 
they already have this cognitive bias that there is this cosmic war that I'm now on the other side of. Rather than recognizing that we're all human and that there is such a thing as effective versus ineffective when it comes to physical and mental health and overall well-being. And that effective versus ineffective does have some ethical boundaries and guidelines. And that when theology and spirituality and religion are used to cross those ethical boundaries, it can cause harm. So thank you for supporting the Church of Quartz, because for legal reasons, it's a joke. Thank you for the love and support y'all have shown my platform and my voice. That validation means the world to me. And if there's any parts of this discussion you would like to talk more about, please drop a comment uh, or DM me. I would love to hear back from you. The sheer number of pastor's kids alone who have been contacting me to say thank you for talking about this or like this really resonates, this was my experience, has been been enormous. So if this has also been a struggle you've shared as well, you're not alone. And as always, I advocate that for physical and mental health, you go talk to actual licensed and registered professionals. I will never in a million years advocate for non-scientifically founded anything to be used in substitution for that I will never correlate your health in any way to the spiritual realm. If that is something you would like to do for yourself, if that is part of your experience, I will also not invalidate that. But I will not put my own cognitive bias onto your health. So thank you for supporting my ministry. You can find me on all of these different places. OnlyFans, of course, is Rosie Quartz Official. And I think next episode, we're actually going to be talking a little bit more in depth about accountancy itself, making the content, um, what that is like, because a lot of times you get tips and tricks about how to gain viewers, stuff like that, but not a lot about the actual experience itself. So if you'd like to hear more about that, stay tuned.